Good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to see you. My name's Al. I'm one of the elders here at Gateway, for those of you who don't know me. It's great to have you with us this morning, particularly if you're new. If this is your first Sunday, we would genuinely love to meet you afterwards to talk to you about what God is doing amongst us and how you can get connected into this story. It, I can't really quite believe it's two weeks until we go for our first multi-site meeting. We've been talking about it as elders and leaders for over 18 months now, and so two weeks' time, we're going to start to see the first fruits of what God is doing amongst us as we look to go multi-site. So our provocation, our encouragement is please be there on those mornings in the west or in the east, depending on wherever you feel God is leading you to be, but don't just be there. Be there ready to praise God and to celebrate together and to worship him and to go for it together. This is something new that God is doing amongst us, something exciting that God is doing amongst us. I recognize that for when it comes to change, some people are in the, I love it, I can't wait for that to happen, when can we just get on with it phase, that's probably me. Some people are in the, I'll believe it when I see it category, and some people are in the, really, change, do I have to, do we have to go from this great environment to something new? And I recognize that amongst different people. There is a reality to that. And I just want to encourage you to be there on those two soft launch dates, whether it be in the West or the East, because the reality is we are relaunching in the West as well as launching in the East. And please be there ready to seek God together, ready to hear his voice. When we had the term launch on Wednesday, what was fascinating is the number of people who just started bringing prophetic words again, people that maybe hadn't brought them for a little while. And since then, we've had numbers of emails from people saying, I just feel God is speaking. And you know, that's what it does as we make space, as we multiply the kingdom of God, actually it makes space for people to gift to be released and to be encouraged. And that's what we long to see more and more of as we go multi-site into the east and, and, and wherever else we go um, from then onwards. Right, that was nothing to do with my preach. So let's crack on with it. We're going to be homing in today at a great story in the Gospel of Luke um, about Jesus and a man named Zacchaeus. It's quite a famous story. It's almost definitely a Sunday school story. If you grew up going to church and go to Sunday school, you'd have heard that. You'd have read about it. You'd have talked about it. Um, But it's a great story with so much richness and depth to it. And really, it speaks a whole number of things into us this morning personally, um, and it's going to be speaking to the second meetings we get baptized. And I'm just going to say this right now if you're here this morning and you know Jesus and you've not been baptized, Philip on the, ro- on the road with the Ethiopian eunuch, eunuch speaks in the gospel, and the eunuch's response is, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And I want to say that to you this morning. If you're here this morning and you've not yet been baptized in water, in response to confession of faith in Jesus Christ. See, here is water. I don't care if you haven't bought spare clothes, we can find you some, someone can go get some for you. You know, there's plenty of opportunity. I want to just encourage you at the end. We're going to have some space to do that at the end. If that's you this morning, you for the provocation of the Spirit this morning, we'd love to baptize you this morning. And please feel free to hang around for the second meeting as well to see a couple of people be baptized in there. And who who knows who else? Right. Luke chapter 19, hopefully it'll come up on the screen. Excellent. I'm going to try and rattle through this this morning because I want to make space to allow for some time to response. I want to give us an opportunity to respond in communion. So I'm going to try and unpack some key points about this scripture relatively quickly. Here we go. 
Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, or look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let me just pray quickly. Heavenly Father, I pray that as I unpack this scripture, Lord, you would do something in the hearts of each of us this morning. Whether we are far from you, whether we know you, or however we come towards you this morning, I pray do something in our hearts this morning in a response to the unexpected, undeserved, and unmerited grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Would you do that amongst your people this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, we have the scene set in the ancient city of Jericho, which is now in modern-day Palestine, near the Jordan River, and we see and we meet our first character, Jesus Christ, the main actor, the central character in this story and in all of human and world history. Interestingly, the text says that he was passing through. Jesus was not planning on stopping in Jericho because he was on his way to Jerusalem, where he knew that a few days later he would die and hang on a wooden cross to carry our sin and our shame and our rebellion. He was on a mission. He was on his journey. His eyes were fixed upon the cross. But then we see our second character enter the scene of this story, a man named Zacchaeus, who's heard about this famous teacher, this famous rabbi, healing and teaching many people throughout Israel. I need to see this man. I want to see what is going on. What's all the fuss about? Who is this man? What's he like? I want to see him and hear him. But we need to understand, before we see the interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus in a few verses later, the kind of man that Zacchaeus was and his social standing amongst the community. And the verses give us lots of clues and insight to help us understand who Zacchaeus was kind of man he was, and how he would have been perceived amongst the Jewish community. So here's a few things we're told about him. One, that he is a chief tax collector. Boo to tax collectors, boo to them in our society as well. But let's be honest, tax collectors were hated in Jewish culture. Here is a man who is a Jew, but is working for the Roman government as a collaborator. He was far from a popular guy. And worst of all, from being a tax collector, he was one of the chief tax collectors. He was high up in the hierarchy of tax collecting. Secondly, we're told he is wealthy. Bad enough that he's a tax collector, a collaborator with the Romans, but a rich one who's probably defrauded many people, who's cheated them out of money, who's taken advantage of people who are economically disadvantaged. He's a rich 
tax collector. Put the two together, and you have a picture of how people might have perceived and understood Zacchaeus to be. And thirdly, we're told that he was short, which might seem inconsequential in this particular moment. And the Bible has nothing against short people. I can say that as a tall person. (laughs) The point is, rich and powerful people in Middle Eastern culture, the crowd would have made way for him. If he was respected and loved and honoured in Middle Eastern culture, the crowd would literally have parted and he would have walked through it. But the very fact the crowd did not make room for him gives you some understanding of the type of man he was and how people would have seen him to be. Let's just say... He is not a popular guy, a cheat, a collaborator, a sinner, an outcast. He's a hated man amongst the crowd and amongst the Jewish people. But all the same, he's curious. He's heard of this Jesus, and he wants to see him. So he takes the very bold step in a Middle Eastern culture for a man of running ahead of the crowd and climbing up a sycamore tree. And I just want to say to you this morning, are you curious? Are you looking on this morning, wondering what's this worship about? It's Jesus that we're singing about, but you're curious about it. You're, you're almost up the tree like Zacchaeus going, I'm looking on, I'm interested, I'm intrigued, but I don't quite understand. Then I just want to say you're so welcome here. If you are looking on and curious, you are so welcome amongst us this morning to come and be with us and explore who this Jesus is this morning. So we see Jesus passing through Zacchaeus up a tree, and then suddenly we get the meeting of our three main types of characters in this story. Jesus is passing through Zacchaeus up the tree and the large crowd. And we get the crescendo, the focal point of the story, which is the interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus. Can you imagine Zacchaeus up a tree, let's be honest, curious but hiding, and Jesus spots him, spots him up the tree. Can you imagine Zacchaeus' heart sinking in that moment? I'm a hated tax collector. He's a respected Jewish rabbi, the Messiah. He's going to rebuke me in front of a whole large crowd. Can you imagine how he feels at that moment? Uneasy, to say the least. And he's probably got a crowd of people, a large crowd, expecting Jesus to rebuke him as well. To say, you're a collaborator, you're a cheat, you're a sinner. You've betrayed your country and your God. But that's what the crowd expects Jesus to do. But what does Jesus do? I can imagine he looks Zacchaeus in the eye. And he says, make haste and come down, for I must come and stay with you. Now, we need to remember that Jesus was passing through. He was not intending to stop. And here he is talking to a hated, outcast tax collector, an oppressor of God's people. And he says, I must come down, stay in your house. And we need to remember, this is not just a physical invitation to have a meal at Zacchaeus' house. This is an invitation to be welcomed into Zacchaeus' life. Do you see how significant it is that Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he doesn't rebuke him or tell him he's wrong or a sinner. He looks at him and he shows him unexpected, undeserved, unmerited love and grace in that moment and says, come down Zacchaeus, for I want to come and dwell in your life. I want to come and be in your life. Can you imagine the shock of the crowd 
These thousands of people going, we hate this man, we want him to be rebuked. And here he is, Jesus, welcoming in, inviting himself in to this man's life. And verse 7 says this about the crowd, they all grumbled. Now this is not British grumbling about the weather at the bus stop. Oh, it's a bit rainy today. Oh, that person jumped the queue. This is not British grumbling. The, the Greek word that is being used here is about a furious crowd. It talks of a crowd that is complaining furiously. They're angry. They're cross. They're annoyed at Jesus because he's welcomed in an outcast. He's welcomed in a sinner. He's welcomed in someone who is a collaborator. Yet we know, don't we, if you read throughout all the gospel stories, Jesus takes people who are oppressors of God's people, like Zacchaeus. He takes people that are oppressed in society, widows, lepers, the sick, diseased, sinners, prostitutes. And he says, I want to come and eat with you. I want to come into your life. We can live with a view of an angry God who is going to rebuke us. And he says, no, I want to come in to your life. What we need to understand is what's happening in Zacchaeus' life in this very moment. There is something very seismic happening in the life of Zacchaeus right now as he receives unexpected grace and love from Jesus Christ. No one expected him to do that. No one expected Jesus to welcome Zacchaeus, to invite him into his house. You see, Zacchaeus deserved punishment, but he received grace. He deserved hatred and hostility, but he receives love. He deserved rejection, but receives acceptance. He deserves to be outcast, but is welcomed in. He deserved harsh words, but receives mercy. He deserves dishonor, but receives honor. Do you see what is true of Zacchaeus is also true of each and every one of us? We were far from God, deserved punishment, deserved to be outcast. Whether you consider yourself an oppressor or someone who's oppressed or a good person, the Bible says we're all deserving to be punished by God, to be outcast from him. And yet Jesus says to each of us, because of his death on the cross a few days later and his resurrection, he says, I've come to offer life in all its fullness. I've come to bless you and pour out upon you unexpected, undeserved, unmerited love. I don't rebuke you as the crowd might expect you to. I say, come in to my life. Come in. Let me into your home. Let me into your life. I want to welcome you in. This morning, I don't care where you've come from. Jesus says, I don't care where you are, what you've done, what you haven't done, who you think you are, Jesus says to you this morning, come down for I must invite you in this morning. I want to invite you in to know me, to receive joy and to receive love and to receive mercy and to receive grace and honour and acceptance and welcoming in to the family of God's people. So what do we see here? Jesus making this incredible offer and invitation to Zacchaeus. This life-changing invitation. And what is the effect of this unexpected love on this probably quite hard-hearted man? 
who was a collaborator with the Romans. We get two insights into this through this scripture. One, it says he came down and received him gladly. That's what verse 6 says. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully, or he rejoiced exceedingly, or he received him gladly. He understands that moment that Jesus isn't just inviting himself for dinner. He understands that Jesus is inviting him in to the flock of God's people. And what does he do? He rejoices exceedingly. He is glad, he is joyful that he, a sinner, gets to be welcomed in to the grace of God. Are you joyful this morning? If you know Jesus, are you glad that you have been welcomed in to the people of God? The way you deserve to be outcast, you're welcomed in. Are you rejoicing exceedingly in your heart this morning like Zacchaeus when Jesus has said to you or is saying to you, come down for I must be with you? Is there joy bubbling up in your heart because you're known by the Son of God, by the Son of God? So that's the first effect on Zacchaeus' life. He rejoices exceedingly. And the second effect is total and utter life transformation for this man. Zacchaeus is the recipient of totally unexpected love. Such love is powerful and life-changing, and after receiving such love, Zacchaeus will never be the same. Let's just recap what Zacchaeus says to Jesus in response. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back Four times the amount. What a ridiculous response, you might think. He can never do that. Physically, he would never have enough money to actually fulfill that promise. But do you see what he's done here? His heart's been changed. His heart has been transformed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. So much so that he says to Jesus, it's exaggerated, yes, but it shows the heart of this man. Look, God, I give everything back to you. If I've cheated people, I want to repay them because I see what grace and love and mercy you've bestowed upon me. Therefore, I am going to show grace and mercy and love towards people. You see, Jesus does not tell him in this story, you've been the recipient of my love. Now go check the Ten Commandments, change your life, and then come back to me. No, he says, I want to show you I want you to be the recipient of my love, knowing that my love is the thing that changes you. Knowing it's my grace is the thing that compels you. It's the thing that actually will cause a change of hearts. Brothers and sisters, that is what grace does. That is what an understanding of the grace of Jesus does. It changes us. It provokes a change of direction. It shifts the priorities of our lives. It leads to outrageous responses like Zacchaeus. It motivates, and it compels us. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 15, for Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. See, when we realize that we are the recipients of unexpected, undeserved, unmerited grace and love, there's only one rightful response to that invitation, and that's to say, God, I give you my life, my money, my family, my ambitions, my dreams, my heart, not because we have to, 
Not because we want to make God happy, not because someone tells us to, not to follow a set of rules, but because we've been the recipients of this incredible love of Jesus Christ as he hangs there a few days after this story on a wooden cross, carrying our sin, our shame, our rebellion. And he says, I've carried that for you. Unexpected, undeserved, unmerited love on that cross. And he says, come and be the recipients of that love and grace today. See, if you are here this morning and you know Jesus and you're trying to follow him out of anything other than a response to his undeserved, unmerited and unexpected grace, then you're either going to live a life of guilt and shame when you fail to, to, to follow each and every single rule that you believe God has placed on you, or you'll live a life where God is a nice addition to your heart. He's a nice addition, he's a bolt-on that you kind of call upon wherever you need to. Yet, a true understanding, a true response of the, of, of the love of God is to love him in return with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. Such a response from Zacchaeus enables Jesus to say to him, today, salvation has come. Jesus, the bringer of salvation, Zacchaeus, the responder to the salvation call. He can say to him, today, salvation has come, and now you're a son of Abraham welcomed into the community of God's people, welcomed into the community of God's people. No longer outcast, no longer a collaborator or a cheat. That's not your identity anymore. Your identity is in Christ Jesus, welcomed in as a son of Abraham, identity in Jesus Christ. And the last verse of this scripture, Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came for men like Zacchaeus. He came for Mary, caught in adultery. He comes for the widow. He comes for the prostitute. He comes from those who are far from him, for the sinner, for those stuck in addictive patterns of behavior, for those who are far from him. He comes with unexpected, undeserved, and unmerited grace and love. And that is life-transforming. That love is life-transforming transforming. And I want to pray for us this morning as we respond in a few moments that it would be the love of God that compels us forward through these days as individuals. The love of God would compel us. Not a rule book. The love of God would be the thing that compels us. His grace upon our lives would compel you and motivate you knowing that responding like that will always result in life transformation. Always respond and result in life transformation. So the question that I want to land on, and the question I want us to respond to together as God's people, is what's your response today to this unmerited, unexpected, undeserved love of Jesus Christ? And in a minute, we're going to spend a little bit of time worshipping And we're going to share communion together. We're going to share in the meal that Christ initiated at the Last Supper. We're going to bless one another and we're going to pray for one another. But I just want to ask for you to consider responding in one of three ways this morning. One, I want to invite you to come and be recipients of the love of God for the first time. If you've never responded to the invitation of Jesus, I want to say today is a day 
where you can be welcomed in. Today is a day when Jesus is saying to you, come down, for I must eat with you. I must be, come in your life. Today is a day that salvation can come to your life and your house. And I want to ask that if that's you, and you're feeling the provocation in your heart right now, I would love you to, to go and pray with the person who you came with this morning, or come and find one of the leaders here at the front, or somebody else that you know, and just say, I want to respond to this outrageous love of Jesus Christ for the first time today. Secondly, if you know Jesus already, which is a majority of people in this room, I want to I provoke you and encourage you to respond to Jesus' unexpected, unmerited, undeserved grace with a response like Zacchaeus this morning. Have you grown cold to the love of Jesus? Have you grown weary to the love of Jesus? Are you offering him a half-hearted response when he says, no, I want, I want, a, I want a full response because that's what grace does? Are you thinking you have to try and follow a set of rules to get God to like you when he says, actually, I've already died for you because I love you? I want to provoke and encourage us as God's people to respond like Zacchaeus this morning, totally abandoning all, his money, his career, his finances, and saying, Jesus, I lay it down at your feet because I've been the recipient of unexpected and costly grace and love. And thirdly, I want to invite you to be baptised this morning, as I said at the beginning. If you're here this morning and you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and you have not been baptised in water in response to that, Today is a day of baptism. Today is a day of celebration, of being baptised this morning. And if that's you, please do come to the front and find one of us as leaders. We'll talk it through with you and then we'll willingly and gladly baptise you in a few moments' time. I've got real faith for that this morning. There are people in this room I know who haven't been baptised. I want to say, please, let the leading of God, not because I've said it, but let the leading of God provoke you and compel you to get baptised this morning. Bob's amening to that. Can you just please stand and just, as we, as we come to a time of response in a minute. Callum, are you right just to come and just want to read a little bit from Isaiah 53 as, we, as I close. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. This is written many hundreds of years before Jesus and it's a prophecy to talk about what Jesus is going to do. Just want to encourage you in, your, in however you feel helps you to respond Just open your heart to Jesus right now and listen to the words of Isaiah. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities or sin. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he opened not his mouth. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you willingly hung on a wooden cross to show the unexpected, unmerited, undeserved grace and love of our God. And Lord, that's the invitation this morning, is to respond to that grace and love this morning.
Just want to invite you to do that this morning in your heart. Such love is life transforming. Such love motivates and changes everything. Just as the band just lead us, are you guys okay to play a song? Thanks. Just as the band play a song, I just want to invite us to start by taking communion together. Because actually, Jesus, this is the meal that Jesus has invited us to. This is not an insignificant thing, taking of communion, the bread and the wine, and the great bread and the grape juice. Jesus, like Zacchaeus, has said, I've invited you to my meal, which is to remember what I've done, to celebrate what I've done, and to proclaim that I am coming again. And, and I do want to say, if you're, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then, then communion is for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus. But right this morning, I say again for you, Come put your faith in Jesus and share in the meal of God, the communion table. There's four tables stationed around the room. I just want to encourage you, as Callum and Katie just lead us, just to go and take communion. And then, and then we'll lead us into a response together. But I, this is the response, is sharing in the meal of God. Sharing in communion together. So can I just encourage you just to go and find someone to pray with them. To take communion together as these guys lead us. And if you want to respond by, by being baptised this morning, please come and see us at the front. If you want to respond to the salvation call of God this morning, please do find someone that you know and respond to him this morning.